This is where you put in the um, the Jack Wagner voice. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in just a few minutes, you will experience one of the most unique pageants presented anywhere in the world. Welcome to Disney Space. Reimagining spaces in Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and spaces beyond. And now, your host, Jeff and Mark. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you are, thanks for listening to Disney Space. I'm your co-host, half of WDW Scope, or Jeff. And I'm your other co-host, at Six Miles Tall, Mark. And today we're joined by another special guest. I love these, these guest episodes that we've been doing lately. Uh, a mutual friend of ours from the Twitter sphere, of course, uh, at Showcase of Wishes. Mike, you want to say hello to everybody? Hi, thanks for thanks for having me. Hey, we're real excited for you to be on the show today. We we appreciate you listening. I, it, it lets it lets me know someone out there in the void is uh, is listening to what we have to say. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed all all the shows. Listen to it every time. I really appreciate that. So everyone had a uh, 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 Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Mark, yeah. you said you were kind of getting over a little bit of a uh, a croup or a cold, but not the corona, thank goodness. Yeah, hopefully it gives me a better broadcasting voice here. It's a little bit lower. You have a little bit more gravitas today, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what is the current events? What is happening in the world of the uh, Disney theme parks right now? All right. Well, I think um, Showcase's favorite water park, is coming online. Mine too. Typhoon right. Lagoon starts on January sixth, and and surprise, Blizzard Ble Blizzard Beach goes offline on the same day. Finally, it's so, almost been yeah. two years since it's been open, right? Yeah, I, I remember back, um, kind of in the middle of the pandemic when all these Disney parks were reopening, and and the Disney parks Twitter was you know celebrating that all the parks around the world are open. I'm like, nah, not yet. <laughs> so. My my guess too is that there's there's probably not enough staff to run two water parks right now, so they may be just moving everybody over from Blizzard Beach to Typhoon Lagoon and taking an opportunity to refurbish the other water park. Which honestly, water parks need this from time to time. I'm sure they get I'm sure they get kind of messy. Yeah, Blizzard Beach so. hasn't been very crowded since since they've reopened. So yeah. That's one of my favorite water parks for sure. Well, I I went to Typhoon Lagoon in its first week when it opened way oh, back wow. then. Yeah, and it it was really the first time I stepped into a park and says, "Okay, this is different. It feels like it's been here the whole time." And I, you know, I'm from the age of River Country where you swim on the lake's edge and the muddy water and you get that great view of of the um contemporary off in the distance, which which was really really beautiful back then. And now here we are in this nice, clean, pristine, chlorine-smelling park. But it was done very, very well. I really, I've always enjoyed it. I, I gotta tell you, um, I, I had two opportunities to go there in 2019, and both of those were for free, by the way. So, Typhoon Lagoon is my favorite park. I've never paid to get into, but that wave pool is a really, Mark. You gotta admit, from just an engineering perspective, that is so cool. Yes. Just you know, they, they, they teach surfing lessons. They teach surfing lessons there every once in a while, or they used to. They do. They but, do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen, I've seen that before. That's really cool that, you know, and what, a, that's a great way to go do that. Cause 
I know a lot of people, they go surfing for the first time. They, they don't know what they're doing. They don't want to look uncool and you're actually dealing with a, with a rip current that can be deadly at times. So what a, what a great environment, especially for like little ones. Um, you know, I actually did see a, um, who's the guy, Tim Tracker video where he did that. I was like, wow, that is really cool. That's the kind of stuff I, I couldn't, well, I couldn't live stream doing that. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, that was I, really cool. On Apple Music and Spotify, somebody put together a playlist of all the area music that they have in there. And I, I've listened to that a lot since it's been closed throughout COVID. When I go out and run, I'll listen to Typhoon Lagoon. It rem reminds me of summer. So I like it a lot. That's great. Yeah. Other news. Um, it looks like... Um, oh, what was it? Oh, the Indiana Jones is coming back online. or It, it has already come back online. And... I, I noticed that they are they're not doing the gunshot scene. I think because of so in in the wake of the Alec Baldwin uh, yeah. cinematographer rust shooting fiasco, they have and they have since decided let's let's remove this very iconic, very Indiana Jones beat from the show. the The scene, of course, is in it's from the Raiders of the Lost Ark film. Indies in Cairo. And a swordsman comes out wielding a giant uh, a scimitar with a curved sword. Uh -huh. And Indy just kind of nonplussed, looks at him, draws his pistol from the hip and fires. Like the like the sort of, uh, it's a, it's almost that same Han Solo shoots Greedo kind of attitude that yeah. Harrison brings to the character of just, I'm going to, Indiana Jones is a scrapper. I always said that he has dad strength. Like your dad's always just impossibly strong when you're growing up. And he's just got that same kind of uh, wiry unstoppableness. And I was actually talking to, to Mike about this not too long ago. I don't necessarily disagree with taking this out. Yeah. It's um, it, in 2021 and in, in this, in this modern world, it's, it seems like a beat that I, I could see some kids kind of wincing at me. I don't have a problem with it, but. There's more ancillary stuff as well. It's not just that one beat, but it's also any time he pulls the machine gun out and shoots the troopers. Now they run away. Yeah, those old George Lucas and Steven Spielberg films, they they put in these little scenes that purposely make the audience jump out of their seats and cheer. <laughs> I think that was just one of them. It worked. I saw this movie when it came out on the first day. I'm exposing my age. It's and, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, I'm going to miss I, that that part yeah. i mean I, th yeah. I thought i think that was a big uh big laughing but, point in the show so yeah i mean that's what happened in the original movie when that happened everybody just right busted out laughing and because it, it was just like whoa <laughs> okay there, there's, a, there's a production legend that's been told a lot of times about that sequence and i'll bring it up here is there was going to be an elaborate choreographed fight sequence but due to filming in north africa and getting a bad bit of water they said that uh Harrison Ford wasn't feeling his best. And it was, I don't mean to say he improved it, but I think they kind of kind of came up with that as a solution to uh to his illness issues there. So hmm. it's kind of funny that and necessity was the mother of invention for such a great uh sequence. There was another thing that I had noticed that um I think it was well, Disney World News today brought this to my attention, but I hadn't noticed it at all. 
there's the plane that they're loading the Ark to take back to Berlin in the film. It is a weird sort of flying wing craft, which, by the way, when you look at the craft that's in the actual stunt show, I don't think there's a cargo area that it could actually hold the Ark in, but that's neither here nor there. But on the tail art, it used to have what would have been in the movie, the, the Nazi swastika, and has since been updated to more of just the standard german iron cross and i saw some people talk about political correctness there now i play a world war ii um video game and board game that's called um axis and allies where you use little war figurines to strategize world war ii and and uh in that i even noticed in that represent in that representation they use the german iron cross against a red background as opposed to that's why and i could see people on a nice pleasant disney vacation they don't necessarily need to be bombarded with that there's a similar notion and when you when you're in the american adventure and fdr is talking about pearl harbor they cut the audio right at the end where they say who attacked pearl harbor it just sort of transitions to the next scene and i kind of reminded me of that a little bit where uh you know we we there's things that happen but let's try to keep it light people were on vacation yeah yeah another thing that caught my eye is that the the tomorrowland light and power gift shop you know this thing they added to the to the the structure of space mountain off to the side when you I would think the, i call yeah. it the arcade that's what i think yeah, it is. i do too yeah that's going to get a neutron arcade yeah that, they're <laughs> going to make a um facade modifications to it for the tron opening so i'm wondering what they're doing to this building honestly yes. I, I kind of wish they would have torn down the space because that's a tight fit between there and the speedway to get over to Tron. Do you they're think gonna... this is another example of Anaheim Imagineers designing things for a park they rarely go to and the the realities of that bottleneck are, are soon to be um, realized? What do you think? There? Maybe. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, of course, those guys are coming over here in the next several months. So they're gonna they're gonna get that lesson of it makes me wonder like I, I now they're moving to the Lake Nona facility, and once they really start embedding themselves into our parks the way I assume they were embedded in Disneyland and DCA, how long it's gonna take to realize not just major changes, special attractions or things like that, but even just sort of on operational excellence and you know crowd flow and things like that. Hey, if we move this path two feet over this way we can create a better parade flow or something like that even. So I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing some benefits like that. Yeah. Like I mentioned back on the, on the Skyline show we did, where we did the, the, um, I still can't say it. The horror, the, <laughs> the aliens and the alien encounter. Right. Yeah. That, that extraterrestrial. Extra, that's it. I can't say that's, it. That's a mouthful. <laughs> you know, Tron and magic kingdom here does not, it, it's, oriented 90 degrees from what it what it is in shanghai and it doesn't have that front view of it that that gives you that glorious impression of the whole thing this this is one of those buildings that's kind of in the way i my guess is that we'll have a facade modification maybe because they just forgot about it until late and then over time they may take this thing down i kind of hope they take it down it's in the way well, they say Spaceship Earth is overdue for a new track. They want they need to gut the existing. It's essentially a roller coaster track, 
from the from the building and completely rebuild and replace it. Has the track for Space Mountain since 1975 ever been refurbed or replaced like that? To my knowledge, it has in pieces, but I, I'm not sure. You know, every everything that's mechanical has to be serviced over the year. So, you know, sure. Geometrically, everything is the same. They've they may have had to replace some parts here and there. A ship of Theseus situation yeah. where now at this point everything's <laughs> been replaced. Yeah, and so. To really make a change to that, they would have to redesign the whole thing. You know, one interesting thing about tubular steel roller coasters is those tubes are pressurized with um, air. And so the way those systems work is that, you know, each each length, each length of track, if you will, is a, is a separate section pressurized and has its own sensing system. So if there's ever a pressure drop, the, the system will, will alarm to stop the ride. And to really turn into service the ride that is there's a crack in the there's a crack that would make a leak so that's the way space mountain it is that's the way spaceship earth is i don't know how often that happens but you know maybe so those kind of things will will one day lend to eventual replacements these types of mechanical systems can't possibly last forever but we'll see it's it's my suspicion that they're building a beautiful, brand new, lack of a better term, e-ticket roller coaster attraction right next to one of the park's most famous icons and ride systems like that. It seems to me that whatever's inside of Space Mountain is going to get heavily looked at once Tron's online. Just like with, when Guardians comes online and Epcot, they're going to be able to work on Spaceship Earth because the park will have that added capacity. Uh, I think we're going to see something happen in that space. I don't think we're, I don't think they're going to tear the building down, hopefully. Uh, but I think it's, it's going to end up being something different. I love Magic Kingdom Space Mountain, and I've been on Disneyland Space Mountain, and it's okay. Um, but not a lot of people are fans of Magic Kingdom Space Mountain. It's, it's an age track, you know, the same people, call, people call it rough. Yeah. And I say, well, yeah. it's a roller coaster. What did you want? But <laughs> yeah, it's also designed in the seventies. So it's not as perfect, perfect as today's coasters are, you know, there's always lessons learned after every coaster you build. Sure. The next one's better and better. It was and better. the first indoor coaster. <clears throat> yeah. And I it's very it's missing the, the soundtrack because Disneyland has a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Disneyland yeah. has the onboard audio soundtrack in, in Magic Kingdoms. You can just kind of hear it in the distance a little bit. The great opportunity that Magic Kingdom Space Mountain has is that it has two tracks inside. And they have the opportunity to take up that entire space and make one glorious track. That would be nice. So yeah. And then if you could do it like the Disneyland style that has the much longer ride system so you could load in lots of people at once. Yeah. And then have, you know, today's type of technology, both on the on the design part of it and on the engineered parts of it. It'd be nice and smooth and we'll we'll see. When when you ride Tron, you'll be you'll get a glimpse of what's possible. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disneyland proudly presents our spectacular festival pageant of nighttime magic and imagination. 
in thousands of sparkling lights and electrosynthomagnetic musical sounds. So this is our year-end wrap-up show, 2021 for Disney Space, where we, I like what Mark says, we are not a armchair imagineering podcast because his chair doesn't have arms, but we we like to just reimagine the spaces. We like to look at what's there and we want to play like we're the executives, we're the ones calling the shots, but we wanted to bring in our special friend, uh, uh, Showcase of Wishes, to kind of review some of the things that we've done and kind of give his feedback and maybe even uh, Simon Callis a little bit, maybe um, uh, help determine what he would pick. So what we're going to do is Mark is going to give his three favorite uh, pitches. Yeah, so these are the, these are actually the three favorite pitches that you made. Yeah, so and this, I'll pick this... the three favorite that you made. Yeah, six miles tall favorites of WWD scopes. And I think one of them that comes to mind is actually from our last show. And I know it was a shared concept between you and Orange Grove 55. It was the adding in the Muppets to the Hollywood land over at California Adventure. I think that is something that I think would, that all of these, all of these parks need. You know, there was a concept before for putting that type of attraction into um disney's hollywood studios so it's on the table there are designs planned for it and you know imagineering owns the muppets they have they have responsibility for them so i think it's time for them to to do something and that would be awesome that'd be a great place for that well digress just real quick on that and and one of the reasons why i think the muppets do lend themselves to the empire experience and i talked again recently about my love of the great uh, moments in history show but if you go to uh, Muppet Vision 3D, which wasn't a park open attraction, it's one of those things like that in Star Tours, I think of as fundamental uh, MGM Studios, but it wasn't there initially, but it's been there for such a long time now. But you go in there and you go into the classic Muppet Show Theater and you look up to the right and there they are, Statler and Waldorf in, in full glory watching the show with you. And... Until they uh, got rid of the great movie ride, uh, I know since they got rid of the great movie ride, I think those are two of the best animatronic performers in that park, if not all of Disney World, because they react to what's happening on the screen. They they duck down, they wave surrender with their little flags, and unlike ride animatronics, they have to be animated for what a, a full sixteen minute show. And there's also the the Penguin Orchestra in the front, and you get to see the Swedish chef projecting in the back for a little bit. But it really shows how the Muppet characters lend themselves to being represented by audio animatronic form. Yeah, they're very cool. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it doesn't take much to take those characters that are amazingly designed by Henson's workshop and then bring <laughs> literally bring them to life with... I'm, I still think of um, the the footage from promoting the World's Fair Carousel of Progress, and you see Walt. He's on stage, and he's there with the um, the host character from Carousel of Progress, and he's looking at the newspaper. And you look down, you see the man in like the mechanical suit covering, and he's animating uh, the gestures. And it's 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 just digital puppeteering. If and I mean, heck, that's analog, yeah. really. But yeah. it's it's it is a form of puppeteering and absolutely 
it, it, like all of the country bears, uh, they're all meticulously animated, all their expressions and gestures. It really seems that the people responsible for creating those experiences can learn a lot from the Muppet people and then vice versa. So I think that's one of the reasons why this concept really lends itself. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, my, my daughter and I went to this, um, I'll call it a museum or a yeah. playhouse. Yeah, I remember of these pictures, yeah. Yeah, this, this was the Center for Puppetry Arts in downtown Atlanta or midtown Atlanta. And Jim Henson has a, a big um, space there for a, lot, for a lot of his Muppets for all kinds of shows, not just the Muppets show, but for the Dark Crystal and for Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and those kind of things. And we got to see a lot of the... Um, you know, the, the Kermit the Frogs and the Gonzos, and just this, the skins of them, the pieces and parts. I thought it was really fascinating. I think I was just thinking, you know, it'd just be real easy not to have a human underneath that thing. Just have a mechanical system to make it run. You know, the question is, can, can you really get those little human antics out of that? You know, there's sometimes when you see Kermit, Frog, Kermit the Frog make that little smashed face grimace, like he's, mm. like he's like, ang not angry at something, but confused about something. <laughs> You know, can you make those little gestures out of out of robotics? It it, it seems like it would be something that they, they'd have to, you know, test and repeat over and over until they got those kind of things right. But imagining imagineering should do that. I think that's the number one thing they should do. Okay, the second pitch that I like, I was actually your very very first one, and it was, it was where we shocked the world to. Um, tear down not tear down but gut out it's a small world and do something different and your idea of um pinocchio's conscious conscience guide conscience it's conscience a hard one guides. to wrap yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which doesn't necessarily mean jiminy cricket it could mean other types of creatures or whatever you pick yeah you know, I, it, I envisioned it yeah. almost like a test track where you design yeah. your own conscience and what what values and virtues would he have mm-hmm and I, it almost, it, it almost, uh, the more I thought about it, I almost wanted to, you to make bad consciences so you get the more impressive or dynamic show scenes. You know, you yeah. have a too good of a conscience and, oh, Pinocchio goes to school and then nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> and it brings in new Disney characters that's never been known before. And it, oh, there's technological advantages all throughout and opportunities and little surprises. It would be a, that would be a cool one to do, I think. And the third one I liked was I think the most doable actually would be the Broadway Broadway theater in Disney Springs and the Disney quest space. That's, that's something they should start right away. I think, you know, I, I feel like Disney Springs is a little languishing right now. I wouldn't say it's on life support, but I think now people are starting to realize the, that notion of that area that has high end shopping, for international tourism. Well, international tourism just is is not where it used to be, of course, due to COVID. So you just have sort of these large swatches where people just walk through and, oh, that's kind of neat. So and, where else in Orlando do they, do they do Broadway-style shows? So there actually is a, a theater downtown that's called the Walt Disney Theater, and they, they do Broadway-quality productions there all the time. I have saw phantom of the opera there i've seen uh i saw damn yankees and the star was um um it was jerry lewis jerry yeah it was jerry lewis and uh it was fantastic uh i saw um 
David Copperfield perform magic on that stage. It blew my family's mind. So we do have a decent venue, but ever since uh, Pleasure Island declared war on Church Street Station back in the late <laughs> 80s, they really want to keep you in that world bubble. And I, and I, I do feel like, I, I do like what you said in that episode that putting something like this on Main Street, I don't think that's a good idea. No. You don't have to, you shouldn't have to pay a ticket to get into another ticketed area or even make that journey from the parking spaces to a, th to a theater. Yeah, no. that would be the perfect fit for, for Disney Springs. I'm not sure why they haven't done it yet. Yeah, it almost seems like a no-brainer, especially if you want, if you have the high-end dining and nightlife experience, put a show out there. Yeah, I wondered if it, if it was because of competition with what it, the theater in Orlando, but... You know, you got a lot of people that just travel to Walt Disney World from, you know, from the airport, and they want to stay there on property. They're never going to go to downtown Orlando. It would benefit the the Broadway shows to put a theater there. We've talked about it before, yeah, but have the, it at both places. But the people that have just really bemoaned the loss of the Magical Express experience. I mean, they draw the curtains on you and play your welcome video, so you don't even have to look at the suburban Orlando countryside while you're on the way to the parks. And really, that created that bubble experience. Uh, it It is baffling to me that, that Disney would abandon it because they created such a, a model built around keep them on property and don't let them leave. Once you have their money, never let them go. Uh, but it's going away and so maybe they're trying to open up a little bit more in that in that regard yeah. maybe they realize that that universal doesn't steal days from disney or SeaWorld doesn't steal days from disney it just it helped I, i'm not i don't know so let's hear your three ideas of my pitches from your pitches my absolute favorite so far has been big river country oh yeah since, Mine too. <laughs> yeah since uh uh, since you've discussed it, and I looked up the the video that you shared with it that showed the that incredible Olympic facility, I kind of want to go do something like this. I really have thought, like, man, this is an experience that I'd want to go do and and try out, bring, get a couple of people together, and build a crew and and try to tackle, you know, the the. Uh, I, I don't know how they rate them, but whatever the opposite of the triple black diamonds were would be in skiing. <laughs> so the green course at first. Uh, I know, and then and then now that when I drive down that uh, Buena Vista Drive and and pass by Fort Wilderness, I'm like I can just see that giant Bass Pro Shop. We would go right there, and it'd be perfect. Yeah, other than the, I guess the arena they built at Wild Wild World of Sports is I can't think of something that's in the same ballpark of that that they have attempted. And I think it would be it would be something that, um, I think a lot of people would would enjoy it. The question is is is, you know, would people know about it? Because it's kind of out there in the wilderness, you have to get to it. You got to drive a long way and get off the beaten path to even find it. Well, I was thinking about there's 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 an experience right now that's not currently open, and people are really crying for it to come back. And that's at Fort Wilderness. It's the Hoop Dee Doo Review. Mm -hmm. I've never had a chance to see it, but it's got a huge fandom. And that's again another example of if you want to go see that show, you have to somehow get to Fort Wilderness. And even if you park there, you got to park at the front and then take a bus to get to the back. And uh, it, it's not a, a necessarily an easy experience to get to there. And that's not even a Broadway show. That's just a little dinner theater show. Yeah. So just going back to your point about building something 
a, a Broadway style theater inside the park, especially a park like Magic Kingdom. Uh, I could I could actually see if you told me uh, you you're building something maybe in the boardwalk area, or um, you know some or, or even maybe even the new Flamingo Crossings, you know, just to try to drive some traffic there. But um, yeah, you know, for, but big, for Big River Country, I I purposely added in that outdoor shop and the restaurant and the spa just to make it a to make it those extra little things to pull people in because I couldn't do just the water rapids itself i wasn't sure what it has to be that one encompassing all for everybody magnet to me i think if if they really were to do something like that yeah they would go all the way but but if you just did the the, the white water rafting experience i think that'd be a huge draw yeah cool my, my next favorite one of yours mark was your uh steamboat willie uh I think I think when people say about how um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is their first Mickey and Minnie's first ride attraction, and then you went ah ah ah, there actually was the what, the Flying Zephyr at the, the uh, DC silly, silly Symphony Swings. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The Silly Symphony Swings at uh, DCA. But I think back uh, my mom's favorite Magic Kingdom attraction. She went. She went in 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 late October '71. I had her tell me the story, and she just loved the the Fantasyland show, the um, um, uh, Mickey Mouse Review, and all the characters were animatronics, and they'd come out and they'd sing their songs, somewhat somewhat similar to the philhar magic today but it wasn't a, a movie it was actual characters and, and animatronics now i do know that they moved that show to um to tokyo um mike did you ever get a chance to see um that in in the tokyo park was that there when you when you had a chance to go which show was the mickey mouse review oh yeah yeah actually uh i was able to see that i was i was surprised because i didn't know what it was and then when i went into it it was I was just so impressed with how many animatronics they had there. Yeah, and that was a Magic Kingdom park open attraction that they took over to uh, Tokyo Disneyland, and and she she'll she'll still talk about that to this day. She loved she loved that uh, she loved that attraction, and I think you know Mickey being such a fundamental character, and and Steamboat Willie being so you know grounded in in that history of sync sound animation is it's almost it's almost weird that we don't have that um representation and there's always a lot of uh debates over whenever there's something that exists in both Disneyland and Walt Disney World you're going to get fans on both sides saying ours is better no ours is better and one of the constant ones is the um um phantasmic nighttime show that they have in uh, Disneyland and in um Hollywood Studios. And I know a lot of people that say Hollywood wins because we have seats. <laughs> we built an amphitheater. <laughs> Flat out. I know Disneyland I people that say, hey, they built they built seats. You win. You're getting you know, dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dinner and hey, that's dinner and a show. That's actually a great package where you can get a um uh an ADR dining reservation at one of the many awesome restaurants at Hollywood Studios, which I think is an unsung park for food. And then you get special seating for that show. Uh, but one of the things I love about that show, people talk about how the Disneyland version is better. 
because the characters come out on the um, the Mark Twain steamship, and we just have sort of a little rinky-dinky boat. But yeah, that little rinky-dinky boat is the Steamboat Willie boat. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of cool. So like, yeah. I was like, oh, it's and it's a, actually like a black and white looking Mickey that's piloting it. Like yeah. he's his color exactly. scheme is is that yeah he's in. I don't know. I just always like that. Yeah, yeah from... you, you have to you have to sit on the ground. Yeah. Firsthand. <laughs> I, I, I remember being in Disneyland. I'm like, why are these people sitting on the ground in front of uh, in front of the rivers? And I'm, oh, they're waiting for the show. What time yeah, is for the show? The, for the dining section, that you have to you sit on the ground, and then they it comes with a uh, a pad that you sit on. <laughs> they give you a little. Uh, yeah. uh, do you get yeah. to keep the pad? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. it had like Fantasmic on it. That's kind of that, cool. It, it was a great. It actually is a great show at Disneyland, and I, I like the novelty of how the the pirate boxes and things on the Tom Sawyer's Island just sort of unfold and unfurl, and the stuff comes out and it becomes a show. It's pretty, it's pretty inventive. That was that was one of yeah, it is impressive. Yeah, one of Imagineering's best shows, I think. You know, the one thing about this pitch, the um, Steamboat Willie, is I, I I would rather have it in Disney's Hollywood Studios, put it at you know, Star Wars Launch Bay building or somewhere in the. That would be a good placement. Yeah. And then finally, my 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 third favorite of yours is Mark is your Maleficent attraction. I love the idea of maintaining some of the infrastructure for it's a small world. So you go on that knobby river journey style boat ride, then you get off, and then you have the real experience. I I'm what do I want to say here. I don't care if a ride system is duplicated. And what I mean by that is I don't care that the Little Mermaid attraction uses basically dune buggies, but they're clamshells, or that the Nemo attraction in Epcot basically uses the same thing. Oh, wait, the shell opens to the front and not to the side. Or, or like, you know, I don't care that the dinosaur uses the same ride system that the Indiana Jones ride does. As long as it's a fun experience, copy and paste. Use that equipment. So the idea of taking that flight of passage style uh, experience and translating it to you becoming Maleficent. And uh, I actually had a chance to watch. I didn't see all of it, but I watched part of the um, the Angelina Jolie Maleficent film not too long ago. And they sort of make her sort of an anti-hero slash sympathetic villain. It's it's a very popular thing in fiction since uh, the musical Wicked came out that kind of reimagined Wizard of Oz. And it also sells t-shirts at Hot Topic. But uh, <laughs> I, I like the idea of maybe putting you into that villain's mentality. Just the, you know, the temptation, the power, the, the fury... Um, kind of indulge that a little bit, you know, yeah. and maybe even maybe even show consequences to it. Like, like we said in our Mr. Toad episode, you know, that was a ride that literally sent you to hell for your sins. You know, like that's yeah. fans. <laughs> fans have often referred to a villain's park or a villain's land or villain's mountain. You know, these are part of Disney lore for a long time. But I think an, an attraction in Fantasyland, especially that particular character, that would that would fill that taste what's bit. crazy to me about that statement mark is how can you say fantasy land isn't a villain's land right it, i mean that's mm -hmm. what the fantasy land stories are all about they're all about those villains whether it's captain hook or the uh uh the evil witch from snow white and, and i mean and 
I, I don't even know if we got to the digression on how the uh, the witch from Snow White is such a uh, visual um, influence on the Emperor from Star Wars. You know that hunched <laughs> yeah. over design and that, that that cloak that barely fits and that gnarled design. They're almost the same character, and I'm not saying that glibly. I'm saying that just in terms of powerful imagery. Yeah, you know, from one creator to another creator's childhood and then now all these properties under underneath the same umbrella yeah the, i mean the i think disney really tries to to look at fantasy land as a place for the the five-year-olds and the three-year-olds to have fun and not get too freaked out although you know that disney the snow white scary adventures was pretty shocking back in its day it really was and that mm -hmm. and that there i i, I think it was I want to say it was uh, Yesterworld did a video on the history of that attraction on the name Snow White's Scary Adventures will appear and sometimes the word scary comes off and then it comes back. <laughs> there was no rhyme or reason of what, when they decided to call it scary and when they didn't. Yeah. All right, let's hear th let's hear the three pitches. So so yeah so uh, so Mike out of out of all all the list what are the top three reimagined spaces from our show that you uh, care for? Yeah, so I think the the number three is going to be uh, the the Noah's Ark. I thought that was that was pretty creative yeah. and the way that uh, uh, it was incorporated from Fantasia two thousand. I thought that was pretty neat. I was I was such a big fan of that Fantasia 2000 film, and you know I, I I wanted to pick for that location what could almost stretch. I don't want to say acceptability, but it would definitely ruffle some feathers. You know, at, at you know the idea of, of such a you know fundamental religious um, story, but but beyond that, it's also just so ingrained in culture. And I think I mentioned at the end of it. When you exit the queue, I wanted there to be representations of other uh, flood mythology and in, in, throughout the world and how in, in China and uh, ancient Mesopotamia and all throughout the world, there's always been stories of, of, of great floods. I like yeah, it's something that they could they could really do a lot with. And then you mentioned that uh, in in Tokyo, Disney Sea, they had Sinbad. Yes. So that's kind of similar. Yeah, that's really what I I, I I never I never had a chance to go to Tokyo C, Disney Sea, but when I saw the ride video, like that's that's the characters, that's the that's right. the scale, yeah, and the design I want for that for that for that ride system. Have you ridden that attraction, Mike? Yes, yeah, that was a great attraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like Small World, but like much much bigger. Yeah. It feels yeah, like it's, it was amazing. It's like a se it's almost like a sequel to me. It's like yeah, yeah. It, it, like like Horizons was a sequel to Carousel of Progress. That Sinbad rides like a sequel to uh um Small World. Yeah, the, right. the, sim the simple design of those characters would fit very very well for Noah's arc. It would. <laughs> Plus there's the little tiger character, you know, I don't I don't think I went into it, but there would have to be some I think I said like cuz the 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 um the um Noah's Ark story from Fantasia 2000 uses Donald. And I always like the idea in that how Mickey was the sorcerer's apprentice and then Donald was Noah's assistant. The idea of taking Disney characters and kind of injecting them into those stories in sort of a conspicuous way. Like, I don't mean to say it doesn't work, but, you know, they, you don't want them to overshadow the 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 overall story. 
Yeah, so uh, my number two pick from all the shows is, is probably going to be the the Muppet section at California Adventure. So I, I thought that was, uh, I think, you and Orange Grove 55. Yep, and we both hit on that, that uh, <laughs> the people want Muppets. People love the Muppets. Come on. See, yeah, Orange, Grove, such a Orange, Grove picked, Orange Grove picked Jeff's idea, and then Showcase picked my pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's very popular. <laughs> but you're right. So they, they better do it then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like you, you guys were saying earlier, the, the animatronics fit so well for the Muppets. Yeah, uh, yes. And, and that side of Hollywood land, too, I think, would bear well for that for their because they're sort of in this studio-ish type of story and they they can bring that to hollywood studios too yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's right more muppets the better all right so here it is what was your number one pick the number one is going to be the big river country all right yeah (laughs) yeah i think the i mean fort wilderness is such a, a a big part of walt disney world and I always have nice memories going there camping. And I think this this just kind of blew the scale way off the charts. So that would be amazing to have there. You know, the more we talk about Big River Country, the more I'm getting hungry for some roasted, <laughs> roasted duck and some bison and some elk stuff I would serve in that restaurant. Yeah, and I've never been able to do like a real, real uh, river ride. So that would be amazing to do it. Yeah. You know, we have them in North Georgia, so I've done where they've done the actual Olympic Games for the 1996 Olympics up at right. Okoe River, and it is a challenge, <laughs> let me tell you. It's it's very, very strenuous on a real river. And it, of course, it depends on what the recent weather is, how strong the currents are, and you know how you, there's, there's usually guides, you know, unless you're an experienced kayaker, you, there are guides where you can get on a eight-person raft, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, they have the Cali River Rapids at Animal Kingdom, but you kind of yeah. wish there's more to it. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, can, you can't really do this in a theme park. It has to be its own thing because of what kayaking is and what river rafting is. And, and they can bring river country back. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of that's memories of river country too growing up. So Good. It was right. always so fun. Yeah. My only memory of River Country is my mom saying, "You can't go. You can't swim in that <laughs> no. lake water." <You're... laughs> <laughs> it's so fun, though. <laughs> so let's take a look at uh, at some of these spaces that we picked out as our favorites, and and kind of see what would the viability of Disney actually doing them. And we look at the top, and we see the Pinocchio Male- Maleficent experience, and I just don't necessarily see disney uh taking the bulldozer to such premium real estate like it's a small world when it's that's such a foundational experience to the magic kingdom when we did our uh lion or our our animal kingdom episode i asked the question are there certain things that you can't take out of the park before it removes the experience and the thing that really hit on me in that was castle parks like disneyland or magic kingdom without a railroad but then mark you told me that shanghai doesn't have a railroad and i was like wow how how could they have built a park without that railroad berm and then the idea of 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 a magic kingdom without that it's a small world which is you know an all ages attraction it's so fundamental i remember sitting up at the 
Pinocchio village house looking, uh, no, I remember looking up at it at the people in the window and thinking, boy, there's nothing fancier than eating a meal at Pinocchio's and, and, and seeing the <laughs> boats go by like, wow, yeah. lap of luxury. But uh, the big river country, I love that idea. That's going to be a major capital investment. You're going to have to move lots of earth, lots of lots of concrete, lots of chlorine, but it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that'd be nice and expensive. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> you know, can they can they get a return on that investment? But is, physically being able to engineer it and build it and, and it work. Oh yeah, that would be. I, I looked at I looked at the aerial photos of the one you used as the example, and I could just see them. You know, just steal it, just plop it right down. You can't copyright <laughs> a a river path, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. The, the the challenge with you know in North Carolina they have in, in other places where they built this type of thing there are changes in elevation that make it possible, and so at Disney you'd probably have to do a little bit of steel build, build up some earth. Yeah. Yeah, you have to build it up a little bit, and you know, kind of make a 3d space and then you got to kind of look at it from afar and say what's too tall here you know make sure it's you know acceptable to the campers around but yeah that could that could be done for sure steamboat willie um and, and looking at both of the attractions you propose for that space mark the bambi one and the steamboat willie i think the steamboat willie one is your more um likely play between the two in terms of you're taking that space and turning it into a new attraction. Although I really do like your idea of don't even put it in that space, put it over in, in Hollywood and the old animation, uh, now the launch bay. And uh, uh, let's let's put a pin in launch bay because I think we want to go back and talk about that in a little bit. Sure. But uh, finally, the, the, the great Muppet movie ride in Disney's California Adventure. Um, this is this is hard for me. I yeah, do it, but I, I like that Monsters Inc. ride. I actually do. I went on it twice when I was in DCA and I thought it was, you know, a really cute Disney style dark ride. And I thought they did a good job of of taking what was there. And if you've ever seen the videos of Superstar Limo, it's 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 kind of shocking <laughs> that they ever built that in the first place. Uh yeah, but, like, like I've momentarily mentioned in that show, you know, there Disneyland Ford is something that's on the table for Anaheim, and it's it's not a def, it's not a definition of what's coming. It's just a conversation with the city officials, really. Yeah. For a third space, if you can even call it a park or expansion of the existing parks, that's over on the west side of that property near the near the hotel and resorts area, you can you can take you know much more of Monsters Inc. and put it over there. You know, build an entire metropolis. So you yeah, can get rid. You can get rid of it and still not completely get rid of it. That's true. Mm -hmm. So next up, the three. Um, not the three. Yeah, I think the overall the, favorite pitches. Uh, well, yeah, just well, yeah, the overall favorite pitches uh, of this. So I'm going to say my overall favorite is going to be the big river country. I really love that idea. I like Malibu point. <laughs> I've been, I've been looking at these videos. You want to move in is weeks. what you want to do. You're, <laughs> I'm you're decorating. All these houses. There are some really cool things on YouTube for things that are not just in Los Angeles, but in Las Vegas and Miami. And these things are really blow away. And I, I, I asked people to go back and, and listen to our episode. Mm-hmm. 
of Malibu Point, and then go back and look at these videos that you can see in the show notes of, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but I'll, I'll, I'll post it in these show notes. He's got a lot of great tours, and these houses are just, they're, they're just mind-blowing. <laughs> and for Disney, really, should, if they, they, they should build this. <laughs> I think it well, would one of the, one be of the things I wanted to point out is that the the Malibu Point from the from the last episode, it, it got the most attention from people that don't actually listen to this podcast. Yeah, and uh, there were some knee jerk reactions to it, and I I just I didn't say anything, but I wanted to think like to me this is just the incorporating a little bit of Marvel, but it's like the the old Monsanto home of the future that used to be in Tomorrowland, except this is today's home of tomorrow. Yeah, and that's mostly what I wanted to promote in that is to give you that sense of awe when you walk into your everybody's house doesn't look like this, but they dream that it could, and this is a place where you can come see that dream. And the, the house of the future was very much that back in the fifties, sixties. That's really cool. How about, how about Mike? What was your favorite? Uh, I think I'm gonna go with the. Uh, uh, I mean, Big River Country or the Muppets, but probably Big River. You got to combine them. Yeah. Big River Country with Muppet characters. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind that either. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Maybe they can have a sideshow there. <laughs> you can put the Muppets anywhere. So yeah. So 2022 looms, and we have lots of shows coming up, and so there's a a lot of Disney spaces, and like we mentioned in our first episode. Disney spaces are things that exist in the Disney parks, all you know, in the entire boundaries, not just the parks, but you know, out in the green spaces, the parking lots, the shows, the resorts, and every property around the world, including studios, including cyberspace, including outer space, all that. And so I wanted to I wanted to kind of do a round robin of what are your three preferred Disney spaces for t- that we should cover in 2022. So we need three each? Yeah, three each. Okay. Um, I'll start because I, I had one in mind already, and then I'll have to think of a couple of more. But one that I want us to tackle on this show in 2022 is World Showcase Lagoon, specifically its nighttime spectacular. I have not seen the new Harmonious, and for my homework, I'm actually going to go out to the park and and see it. Uh, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to find out where is the best place to watch it, because apparently there are certain venues that are better than others. I'm going to really absorb and take in the view of that space before and in the daytime and the, what do they call them, the barges that sit (laughs) now in World Showcase Lagoon and and I, I want to really, uh, Mark, this is for you and I, I want us to really think, well, what could we have done? Yeah. You know, what what, what would you have done if given given a hundred million dollar check and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 this, and this location and you, you were to build a nighttime spectacular. So in your research trip, are you going to kind of climb around the backside of the American Gardens Theater? And watch <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm not going to hop on the, the, the <laughs> sailing ship there. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the show, and there's only one place that you you probably can actually see it because the places that I've seen it from, you can't really see it well. See, that was what was so great about um, 
uh, illuminations. It didn't matter where you were. It was always a great show. Right. You could. There may be parts where it was. It's easier to see the the spinning globe, but it wasn't that fundamental to the uh, the show itself. But Steve Davison, he said that this show is a 360 show, but it doesn't look like that when I went to see it. That's what I've heard. Now I only saw the um, what was it, Epcot Forever. I yeah. saw it, I saw it in its entirety. Like I stood there and watched it once, and I was like, "That was cute." Bring back, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it was a it was a nice show for what it was, but nothing like Illuminations. So Jeff, I'll take your your Lagoon Show Space mm-hmm. Disney Space, and then I'll one up it, and I'll say all of World Showcase as a whole. I'd like to talk about is a Disney space, you know, right today up in, up until the beginning, you know, world showcase has always been this concept of tour of the nations, tour of the countries and every country comes in and, and they participate in the design and the operation of what, what best expresses the flavor of their countries. And, you know, that's been an old idea since the 1970s and it was sort of adopted into Epcot center. At the very beginning, and they just—they just happened to have the space for it, really, around this existing lagoon that had been there in the wilderness. But is that the future for that space for all time, or can something else be added to it, or replacing it, or what? So I'd like—I'd like to have World Showcase on the table for 2022. I know that's a big one. We've usually done small spaces before, but no, that's—I like the scope of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Showcase of Wishes. Um, so I'm going to start off with uh, at Tokyo Disney. Okay. Uh, the whole resort, there's a, a, you know, they have Tokyo Disney Sea, and then on the other side they have Tokyo Disneyland. But kind of right to the side, in the in between them, there's a there's a big parking lot for Tokyo Disneyland. Hmm. I think that would be a good space to explore and see if you wanted to expand it to Tokyo Disneyland near Tomorrowland. Or if you wanted to add it over to Tokyo Disney Sea, or if you want to do something completely different, I think that's that would a be great it. one. That's a great yeah. one, Jeff. You... Jeff, that's where we're going to put Disney Space right there. Well, some people say that it, <laughs> it could be called Disney Space, yeah, because you got the sea and you got land. Yeah. Let's. So I'm, right. I'm looking. I've got the aerial map up now, so I can see that's Tokyo Disneyland. That's Disney Sea. So are we talking about? Should be right next to, to Tokyo Disneyland. I think it's to the west. Right next to Tomorrowland. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of infrastructure there. It, it was a big parking area. Now I don't I don't know much about the history of this location, but by looking at it just from a map, those those boundaries and borders are such straight edges. Was this sort of built up or manufactured land was this, yes. was this yeah that's all reclaimed reclaimed land. yep mm-hmm. hong kong so, disneyland is the same way i knew oh, that i, I knew that. i knew hong kong was so conceivably you could add on to it they could it could go out <laughs> even further or we could annex these islands right here no <laughs> <laughs> tell me about uh, tokyo sea life park what's that Tokyo Sea Life Park? Oh, yeah. Sure, it must be like, must be like a, an aquarium. Cool. It's right. It's right near uh, Disneyland. Oh, uh, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, I've never. Now, been now there. we're just having fun with Google. <laughs> 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 Mike, yeah, Mike, all the all those islands there are fake. 
Yeah, we'll bring you in on that episode. How about that? All right. They're Sounds not good. fake. They're imagined. Right. <laughs> they're, they're garbage. <laughs> they, they built Tokyo Disney and Disney Sea on garbage. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's a really nice area, though, what, what, what they did to it. It's pretty amazing. All right, Mark, I've got another Disney space for you here, and it's it's a great bit of real estate. Let me bring up uh, the map again. We look at Hollywood Studios, which is such an interestingly designed park. We have a dead end just past Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy. Now, there is some back house infrastructure here. But that can always be moved. Yeah. So I want you to think of in the vein of a Toy Story land or a Star Wars land, take this backstage area and, and bridge the park so you can do a full loop and create another themed land around a single intellectual property that would fit inside of Hollywood Studios. Okay, cool. I like that one. And on that note, let's walk down Sunset Boulevard to the other side of Disney's Hollywood Studios to where we see Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular and do something else with that space. And it could be either leave it as it is and do something different with Indiana Jones or do a, you know, leave the theater there, do a different Stunt Spectacular or, or tear it all down. You know, there's a lot of land right there that's kind of in a convenient spot mm-hmm. for traffic. And, you know, it's not a dead end. It's a kind of a turn. So there's probably something we could do in that space. Indiana Jones land. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Mike, give us Mike's another going. Disney yeah. space. Um, so uh, maybe you could bring Orange Grove 55 back on for this one. But okay. uh, something that I've kind of never really liked at California Adventure was the Paradise Pier section, now called Pixar Pier. So I think I think that needs to go. What else do we need to do there? Yeah. But you're talking anything goes in our in our Disney space pitches. We can we can we can either keep keep what's there and yeah. redress it all. But I'm sure he would love to to reimagine that area. Yeah. Okay. And get rid of Disney's, the power lines in the back. Disney's Pixar Pier and the entire carnival area. Wow, and that includes the Toy Story Midway Mania, the the um There's some storage space back there, maybe they, well, it's they the credit coaster now, but it was the uh California Screaming Coaster, which I really right. liked. I'm a big Incredibles fan, and I think they deserve way more in terms yes. of an attraction right. than just a couple of statues on an overlay. <laughs> that on sticks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deserves a lot more than that. Yeah. Personally, when I visited California Adventure, I was, you know, I've only been there on one <clears throat> on one vacation for two days. I was pretty impressed for how they handled that small space. You know, the whole the whole area was basically the parking lot right. reconstructed, and you know, to to have a feature that has a lake. You know, it's not a very big lake, but they did it. And the things that they did around it, I think, you know, before it was Pixar Pier, I didn't see it when it was Pixar Pier, but I thought they pulled off 
pulled off a pretty good job that to me represented you know the the Santa Monica Pier area of California mm -hmm. pretty well. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a nice park to walk around. It is, yeah. It, you, you do get a little bit lost there, but, you know, but it's okay because along your way, there's always something great to try. Yeah, yeah I was I was at Disneyland on um, March 28th, 2014, when, we, when it was hit by a 5.1 earthquake. Wow. And earlier that day we were on the the mickey's fun wheel and uh boy that evening my missus said well there's no way you would get me on that from now on so <laughs> <laughs> and then the day the day after even on the 29th we were at the uh, the foot of the Mount matterhorn and we felt uh, aftershocks and you could you could and you could hear the uh earthquake alarms going off in the background that was a, that was a oh, different wow. experience Okay, Jeff, what's your last one here? My last Disney space is, uh, hmm. I've got one. If yeah, let's hear yours. Let's hear. Let's hear Mike. So let's go over to Animal Kingdom and and uh, do Dino Land USA. Yeah, everybody's talking about that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Indiana Jones Land because he's such a noted uh, paleontologist. Right. That's what this guy right. is. He's got that little. He can, He's right. got the little monkey in Cairo. He doesn't like snakes, so he's got that go. <laughs> Spiders, <laughs> beetles, <laughs> elephants. And we could, yeah, we can have a dining experience that's the Temple of Doom restaurant where they bring out, uh, <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Uh, I, I do have some ideas for that. And that's, that would be a fun one to do. And you know what's on the list, on everybody's list. More dinosaurs. That's what's on the list. Yeah. So while, while Jeff is thinking, my third idea would be the Carousel of Progress. I know that's a tough one to swallow, um, but, you know, it's sort of long in the tooth, I would say. You know, every time I write it, it's, it's pretty much the same thing I've seen a million times. And it's a great story, and it's well documented, but it's, it could be something else. You know, even if, you know, we're, we're not suggesting that Disney ever you know, decommission a ride and implement our ideas, but it would be fun to imagine what else that could be. Um, regarding Carousel, it's one of those things where the there's the 94 refurbish they did, which is now pretty much set in stone. And it, it's one of those things where every generation feels like they're at the end of history. There's a, Mark, what's the quote from, the 1890s where the patent office said everything that's ever been invented has been invented or something yes. like that. Yep. Uh, but there, there is something like if you, you could change laser disc to Blu-ray and you could change cell phone to smartphone and, and call it a day. And in terms of updating the attraction for modern audiences and it otherwise wouldn't be too jarring, but there is something about the fact that both that attraction and its current state, and imagination in its current state is these are sort of what I would think of as temporary changes that have just kind of become permanent. Yeah. And I think we should do a special, I think when we do that carousel of progress show, we should talk about the plussing of attractions, how when Walt said he was never really done, it's because he just always wanted to keep adding more to the attractions. And I feel like, 
uh, I think it was Jim Hill who said every new Imagineer wants to come in and add their own thing to Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean uh, because that's just what you you just have that knee-jerk reaction that you want to do that kind of a thing. But really, it's it's tough because if you redo these things every 10 years, that's going to get expensive. So it, it, you you want to look for stuff that's evergreen, and 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 part of what what Disney has really done, and what's smart for Disney, is the whole vault concept of of protecting their releases and making them limited time onlys. And uh, Disney, unlike the other major studios in history, with its history of re-releasing its classics in theaters, so you can look at like Alice in Wonderland had five major theatrical releases even song of the south had a theatrical release what in 1987 uh you know so they would go back to the well and re-release their 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 movies to new audiences and it has a, a timeless quality to them you know kids today can still watch they can watch moana but they can also watch the little mermaid and they do beauty and the beast they came out in 1991 but they're still building new attractions for that character because it's it's evergreen so the fantasy land stuff i don't mean to say it doesn't age but the aging is sort of almost a a point of pride i feel like i'm rambling here no you're right i think there's certain things that um are timeless you know and somebody from 2030 will look at peter pan and may they may appreciate it just as much as somebody from 1955 would Right. You know, the one reason I I think Carousel of Progress is on the table is to me, it's it could be a platform for different shows. It's, you know, a rotating theater and it has, you know, pie shaped stages with with left and right rotating stages that can be changed out, you know, and let's let's see what that could become in the future. All right. I've got I've got my final Disney space. I I did my homework uh, and at the end of class here. One of my favorite places to, to stroll around, and when I go there, I'm like, well, who actually stays here? Uh, and that's Saratoga Springs, which is it, it is basically connected to Disney Springs. And if, if you're like me and you don't mind a, a long walk, you can do a full loop through Disney Springs up into the Strawberry parking lot, cross the bridge, go through Saratoga and come back and you're at the, the old Disney Village side. But what Disney owns 17 different resorts on, on Walt Disney World property. You know, sure. maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's potential there to to do something different with that space. Um, uh, maybe even I, I, I this is something this would take an entire show. But I want to I want you guys to really think about this for a second. When you look now, like someone, I saw someone on Twitter today said they had to buy a single day ticket to go to the Magic Kingdom for a family member. I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's, that'll hit you right in the wallet. I almost feel like Disney is, is hurting themselves by trying to pretend that a day in Magic Kingdom, a day in Animal Kingdom, a day in Hollywood Studios, and a day in Epcot are the same value. You know, they've always tried to to make the pricing of those, you know, the you know, for lack of better purposes, the same. It's why they don't include the water parks in those conversations. They don't expect you to have the same level of experience. 
And I'm wondering if, you know, kind of talking on the, the joking earlier about the, the end of Disney parks, but what if the future of Walt Disney World is the, the, the barriers that we think of what a park is sort of come down? And uh, I've even talked about before, what if you could build like, what if you built like an exclusive Moana attraction at the Polynesian Resort? And uh, you could, if you had a Magic Kingdom ticket, you could go ride it. But if you were staying at the Polynesian, you get a free fast pass for it or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but but opening it up so you 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 don't pay to go to a park, you basically pay to go to Disney World. Oh, that's like I like that. Yeah, like mm -hmm. like just and then it it it's um, when you when you first went in, in 1971, uh, you would have to pay for your transport. You, you technically paid for the tram. It was included as part of your overall ticket, but your tram service, your monorail or boat ride to the kingdom, and then your park entrance. But they were all bundled together as part of your uh, your ticketed experience. But they but they line itemed it. Uh, but now, I, I talk about when I was in high school in the late '90s, and you could go out and you could park at Magic Kingdom, and uh, you know after three there'd be no toll attendance, so you don't have to pay to park. You walk right up and you get on the monorail and you can ride the boats and even the bus systems and go look at the resorts and nobody stops you. Nobody checks anything. Even today, if, if you were such a miser that you did not want to pay to park for the theme parks and you were going to go to Magic Kingdom, well, I would say, okay, go park at Disney Springs and take the bus to the Contemporary. And then boom, you're right there. But, but to instead, just to open that experience up, like we hear people all the time talk about you know, I wanted to go park at the Polynesian and and go in there and get a Dole Whip and maybe shop at the store. Well, on Tuesday, the guard said, no problem. On Thursday, the guard said, no, you can't do that. You got to go park somewhere. And there's there's a lack of consistency. Well, got to open up Disney World a little bit to, to make it, you know, just like it is its bubble, but more inclusive as a whole and, and less uh, siloed. I don't know. Yeah, access to everything. Yeah. Yeah. What would you rather pay? Two nights at the Star Cruiser for $6,000 or two nights in all of Walt Disney World for $6,000? <laughs> something to think about. <laughs> I really, you know, I know there's been a lot of considerations since COVID, but I really want them to bring those 24-hour events back the in the parks, the Magic Kingdom and Epcot. Yeah, that would be cool. I used yeah. to enjoy those. Oh. And even if even if I don't marathon it for the full twenty four hours, it, it's just fun to see people out there three in the morning, you know, just uh, running on the from Thunder Mountain to Splash Mountain. Yeah, you know, one little trivia thing going back to the um, Saratoga Springs is, um, you know, people people think that Walt Walt and Roy flew into the the stall port when they came in to survey Walt Disney World. Well, the stall port didn't exist back then when it was just fields there was an airstrip right through the middle of saratoga springs where it is today that extended out on the golf course called air airlando park air hyphen lando park and it was mostly like a crop duster type of airstrip I don't, I don't even think it was paved but that's where they actually landed so and and then there was a little community there before and where walt stayed and so somebody i think 
I think Tom Morris may have pointed it out, that there's a particular room number at Saratoga Springs that is sort of that spot where Walt Disney stayed when he was surveying the land. Interesting little tidbit. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So what was our favorite things that uh, Disney did in 2021? Things that they actually did. My favorite thing that they actually did was the the bringing back the the powerful magic of the spaceship Earth and the Epcot Entrance Plaza. That whole area. What they did with the acrylic sculpture, the, the mm-hmm. LEDs on spaceship Earth, the lights all the way around the plaza. I like that they changed the music. I'm not sure that I like the music. You know, actually, I have that as a playlist. When I go out and run, I'll listen to it. And it doesn't catch me. So <laughs> I mentioned this on Twitter. One thing one thing I want to do in 2022 is come up, you know, curate my own musical playlist for what else could be in that little entrance plaza. That would be very Epcot-y. That was my favorite thing. How about yeah, you, I think I'd have to agree to the, the lights on Spaceship Earth stunning yeah, yeah i was i was not sold on that when they were doing it i think i posted on twitter that that's just going to be terrible and that's going to take away from the design and uh a lot of people in, in this community like to always point out when they're right i like to point out when i'm wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> just because it, 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 it I, I don't i don't know what you'd call me maybe i'm a, a uh i'm a, a i'm a positive cynic you know, like I have a personally, I'm a, I'm an optimist, but when it comes to what other people do, I, I can be a little cynical. And I just thought, man, that's not going to work. What if one of those bulbs goes out? Uh, but no, it is really impressive to to behold that in person. And Mark, I can't wait for you to come down and see it. Yeah, I wasn't sure at first too when they were putting up those lights. It it, it just looks different, um, but you can't really notice them that too that much during the day. But but at night, they're pretty stunning. Is there anything else that you had in mind, Mike, for 2021? Uh, just that they brought back the annual passes so I could go again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how about the? How, what was your impression of the Jungle Cruise changes? I haven't actually gone on Jungle Cruise since since being back because the, the lines have been so long for it. What about you, Jeff? I, you know, I haven't been on it either, and it, it's actually been on the docket. I think I may have mentioned this before. I, I'm not the biggest Jungle Cruise fan. I almost wanted to throw that in in terms of our future Disney spaces because, you know, I'd I'd, I'd want to build like a killer e-ticket Aladdin attraction there on a fine carpet Kuka arm kind of thing. I want to like Jungle Cruise. I feel like if, let, let's be honest, they're, they're having cast members perform but they're not performing cast members in the same way we talk about actual performers, comedians, entertainers, like what we have the laugh floor. They have their script. They're able to deviate a little bit from it here and there. They're able to build their own personas. But that's got to be a grind, you know, doing doing the same spiel six hours, eight hours a day. I just, I feel like there's got to be some better way to do it. And also they need to go into every single one of those boats and upgrade that audio unless you're <laughs> unless you're sitting within three or four people away from the skipper and this is even before the whole mask thing now that they wear masks good, good night you can't understand anybody yeah. 
but but enunciation counts but i I, i'm i'm gonna do some research on this but i've been told there was a an upgrade that was really a downgrade to their audio system it levels out the audio so you can't spook people or or get too loud on mic but uh, yeah tokyo disneyland (laughs) is kind of similar to the one at magic kingdom but a couple years ago they they added like a soundtrack so it has a soundtrack now for the ride oh, interesting and there, there's like a different version between the day and night version so it's pretty oh, that's good neat. yeah it's kind of like a plus version of it but i am surprised they still have the ride considering we have kilimanjaro safaris at walt disney world well and that, yeah. it really does it does it's, to me that's where they need to lean into more of the comedy side of it you right. know play up the jokes you know, break the fourth wall. Talk about how the you know that's a uh, animatronicus lioness or something like that. You know, just really kind of you know turn hard into it. And I I don't know. I, I again, like I say about Jungle Cruise, I I want to love it, but I don't. It's not up there with me like Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just not up it to that tier. Now there are times where I've gone on it. And you get the best skipper. Yeah, right. You get exactly. the best experience. But those are such few and far between moments. It's it's almost sad that like, man, I had that killer experience. But I know my friend went on it, and you know he could barely hear the guy. He saw the backside of water, and that was it. Um, yeah. Occasionally, you get that college student. They're just like, okay, I'm thrown into this. <laughs> You know, I've, and I've heard cast members say, like, I just got a whole boat full of uh, tourists that don't speak English. So they just they didn't even do anything. They just drove the boat at full <laughs> throttle through the attraction and just got them <laughs> off. And, you know, that's um, I look back at uh, what, what's the other big attraction that Disney World had that, that you had a cast member. Well, there were two, really. One was the living with the land, but they took yeah. that away and went to a narration system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there was the great movie ride. The problem with the movie ride was those cast members, there was a no deviation from the script. There was like, like you may have like three or four different jokes you can choose for in a jungle cruise scene, but those, uh, the poor movie ride cast members, they must've been bored out of their minds because they didn't deviate at all. And I don't know, maybe it's something about the, the, the tediousness of it all i don't i don't know it feels like it comes through yeah there was also the studio tour at disney mgm studios right right and um they that seems to have changed every time i wrote it <laughs> like even the path <laughs> and also um you know just the the parking lot trams you know the people on the back that are telling you know look up at the lights these are the disney highlights those kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had <laughs> I've had, tra- I've had tram there. workers that just that kill it. That you know, like I, I remember there was I can't remember what they said, but back when when one of my nephews was like five or six years old, he kept repeating the 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 joke from the tram all day, and then the next day when his mother said, "What was your favorite thing yesterday at Disney with your uncle?" Oh, the tram. The guy was so funny. Like so, <laughs> that shows where those experiences if the person's on if they're if they're connected it can just it can make or break the whole experience but i don't know just something about jungle cruise just I, again i want to love it yeah now, i've watched many of the recent 
videos on YouTube for the, the latest changes. And, you know, of course, when they announced that they were going to do the changes, it, it raised a lot of conversation. And but I think the implementation of what they pulled off was actually pretty good. You know, if if I'm just imagining that I've never seen the attraction before and I'm a little kid, I would come out of there enjoying it a lot, I think. But specifically the things that they changed. I think they did a great job. Now, we mentioned at the top of the show that uh, Indiana Jones, they removed his gun. Do you guys remember when they removed the gun from the Jungle Cruise? Yeah, I remember they used the gun early in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I remember the hip. It was the hippo scene where yeah. they pull the, the, the pistol out and they shoot at them. I think I believe, it was like the crocodiles, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure when they removed it. Uh, I think they still use it at Disneyland, but they just kind of shoot it in the air. Yeah, there's videos of Walt Disney himself using it. Is that right? Yeah, because <laughs> he, he was trying out being a skipper in the Disneyland Jungle Cruise. That was his favorite attraction. I, I remember hearing that um, they couldn't turn the audio off on the Jungle Cruise, so he would be at his uh, firehouse apartment late at night <laughs> and he could he could hear the natives and the jungle crews in the distance yeah <laughs> which was right behind the wall <laughs> that's right there <laughs> so what are we looking forward to in 2022 guys typhoon lagoon there you go typhoon <laughs> lagoon. i'm i'm looking forward to uh, the the uh, Galactic Star Cruiser opening, not to experience it myself, just for the flurry of discussion. Uh, for like you said, what was what, what is it? Uh, it's it's two it's two nights in a morning for sixty five hundred dollars. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a cruise. <laughs> it's a cruise. It's a cruise yeah. on land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in space. I'm I'm we've I think we've talked about this enough on this show, but I, but I'm I'm I almost get excited when I when you can see a colossal failure this far ahead because it's going to eventually become something. Now, whether it eventually becomes just the quote Star Wars hotel and they get rid of those elements, or if it becomes more of a day experience and you don't actually stay there, whatever it becomes. I think you have to at least hand it to Disney. They're trying something. I mean, they have more market research data than almost any company has with its clientele. Maybe Apple has more data on their customers than Disney does, but Disney's got to have their pulse on the customer base. So maybe we're going to be shocked by all this. Maybe, maybe like, like us more park centric folk are, yeah, we would never do that, but there is, there are enough, uh, deep pocketed Silicon Valley types that'll bring their families out and do this. We'll see, but at least, at least they're swinging, they're swinging for the fences. Yeah. Part of me wants to say that, that YouTube personalities are just want something to talk about between now and then. And it's sort of thrown it in a little down or perceived down spiral, but I'm not sure if it really is. So again, I'm going to hold my impressions until I see some guest feedback who actually ride that or actually experience the thing. One of my, one of my favorite things is, uh, at the, um, I did not have my Wheaties today. Uh, the grant at the grand Floridian resort, there's a beautiful yacht 
that they have there that can be rented for dinner cruises and fireworks packages. And it starts in the few thousands of dollars. I'm never going to do it, but I'm glad it's there. I'm oh, glad that premium offering is there and that people can. And I love being on my little uh, boats going through uh, yeah. the Seven Seas Lagoon. And I see the yacht and I go, oh, there, there's yeah. that yacht. You know, you can rent that for like 4,000 bucks a night. And yeah. and it's there. And, to, you know, techniques and and different um different things that they do in the star cruiser from an from an engineering point of view and a design point of view and a concepting point of view it'll all be carried over we're going to see some future attractions in the parks that, that and we've already seen it you know with the space 20 220 but we'll see some other things as well it's, it's an experiment that carries on so i like that that's the other thing i'm going to do mm-hmm. on my uh, my epcot homework day is i'm going to check out 220 eventually yeah so maybe i just go in there for the lounge experience even so what's the way to do it? The lounge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you don't have the uh, fixed pre-menu. Right. <laughs> right. So a big thing I'm hopeful for in 2022 is to see less soil in world celebration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious to see when that, <clears throat> when Epcot is going to reopen. The way is Epcot that when they said it's opening? I don't know, but I just like to see what kind of progress they're going to make over time. See what's next. And the, I think the big thing I'm looking forward to in 2022 is D23, because we saw a lot of a lot of things in the last major D23, and we're seeing a lot of that come to fruition. But of course, that was all given the curveball of COVID-19, and so budgets were changed, and schedules were changed, and supply chains were changed, and there's not much that they have control of to really wrap up what they had planned for. But you know, there there is a scheduling of d23 this coming summer and excited to see what they have in plans if, if they're going to recapture some of the things that have been cut and continue it with it anyway kind of re-announce some things maybe well i'm hoping for a big surprise 2022 yeah. so don't, don't let me down disney i hope hoping you bring back the the dinosaurs from the universe of energy there you go bring, <laughs> some, bring some back back. Put them in epcot put them in magic kingdom put them anywhere just bring them back yeah yeah that that tweet i had with the dinosaurs in the land oh yeah it, exactly it gave a lot of traction. that's a good one they're popular so, they, they need to do it my, my guess is that this disneyland forward thing is going to be on the, on the top of their list they'll they'll talk about some sort of expansion with Disneyland. That's my guess. All right. Well, well guys, I, I think that's a I think that's a wrap on 2021. Uh hope you all are happy and healthy in the new year and look forward to doing more of these shows. Uh Mike, thank you so much for joining us uh today. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. Uh people can follow you at showcase of wishes on twitter yep. and at, at showcase at, wishes yep at showcase wishes at showcase wishes twitter. not the mm-hmm. up yeah yep. uh, and uh mark where can they follow you at six miles tall with the number six on twitter and you can find my playlists on youtube at six miles tall with a six spelled out all right and you can and of course the... we have we also have disney space pod yeah space of course pod. you got to follow us at disney space pod I tried to get at Disney space, but someone took that. It's, it's okay. actually a great name. When you think of the continuity of Disneyland, Disney sea, Disney space. Uh, How about you, Jeff? And you can, and you can follow me at WDW scope. I think at this point now it's, it's official that 
I am no longer an active theme park vlogger, but I've got hopes for 2022, uh, going, getting back into the thick of it, uh, um, walking around with in a live stream, talking to my phone in the parks. I'm in my early forties now. I don't know if I'm into that anymore. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but I'm going to find some, some way to still connect. And again, I've been loving the, uh, the time we were spending together here on this podcast and sort of flexing that muscle. So you can still follow me there for occasional pictures of meals. I'm eating at Disney. (laughs) Very good. All right, guys. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're now on the last leg of our journey to the main entrance station. I'll be cutting back our ground speed in a few seconds, so please remain seated until the train comes to a complete stop. We ask that everyone disembark at this station. As you leave, you'll find a courtesy tram directly ahead through the exit turnstiles that will take you to your parking area. Be sure to check for all your personal belongings, and as you leave, please lower your head and watch your step. The doors will open automatically to the right of the train. Thank you for joining us on the Walt Disney World monorail, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in the Vacation Kingdom. Again, we ask that everyone disembark at this station.